Welcome back, podcasters. Uh, I'm your host, Josh, along with my co-host, co-pilot, Ross. But wouldn't we be the podcasters and the people listening to us would be the podcast listeners? I thought, okay. I don't know, I saw the podcast world with the people listening and the people. Touche. There you go. So, sorry, let me try that again. Hello, podcast listeners. Yes. Well, you I am could be pod- a podcaster. Listening, but you're a podcast listener, so that's a, is, I guess the big question is: Is anyone even listening? Probably not. Let's say millions of people are listening. <laughs> can I mean your parents? Will they figure out to listen to it? They can figure it out. My mom for sure. My dad just learned how to turn on his iPhone, so he, that tells you that. Oh boy! Much. Oh boy! So we are your podcast hosts. That sound better? Yes. Josh and co-host Ross. There you go. This is Legends and Libations, a podcast where we talk urban legends, common misconceptions, and strange things people believe in. One may ask why we decided to make a podcast on myths and legends in the first place. Well, I felt there was so much false information swirling around in the internet and people's brains, or as it's called these days, fake news, that I felt I needed to set the record straight. Is this topic 100% true? Is it 100% bullshit? Or, like most things in life, somewhere in the middle? So if the truth is important for your overall quest for knowledge, or if you're just that guy or girl who likes to win an argument with someone, then stay tuned. So, what are you drinking today? What's today's libation? So my libation today is the Deja Moo. It is a milk stout with... Chipotle's and Cocoa Nibs by Hidden Springs Ale Works. I'm actually very excited for it. Yeah, it's a local one to Florida. I love that spice to it. I like it. Uh, and I'm drinking something from home. A beat of Purple Haze. Oh. One of my favorite wheat beers. That is a good That's one. two weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. That's all right. You're uh, trying to save up for that uh, half marathon. You got that right. All right, so what is today's topic? Are you excited for today's topic? Depends what it is, but hit me. What is it? Uh, well, it's about the love bug. You ever heard of one? I have. I hate them. But what about them? So what do you know about them? Um, they are little aggravating black and red bugs that fly around uh florida and i remember seeing them a little bit in louisiana but mostly the little bugs that um just cover your car in little black spots and also uh they stink when you kill them they smell very uh like vinegary it doesn't smell good but that's about all i know about that's actually a pretty good like preoptive synopsis but that's just what they look like i don't know anything else about them okay um, so if you live in the southern United States, you've seen them around. Yes. You, like you said before, you're all over the road. They kind of hang like a fog or a smoke yes. over the interstate. They'll make your car grill, hood, and windshield look like a massacre occurred. Mm-hmm. So, what is the urban legend? What is the base of this? Have you ever heard of an urban legend with this? I have. Um, apparently... A university, I think it was the University of Florida, 
uh, created them in a lab. Not sure why, but they just kind of manufactured these things in a lab. And that's and then they overpopulated and couldn't control them anymore, so they just spread everywhere. That's pretty much the myth, kind of. Okay. So basically, in an effort to combat the growing mosquito population that you know plagues the South and us all the time, and hopefully to stop the, the diseases they carry, the University of Florida's entomology department gathered with the genetics department, and they created this monster. Mm. This monster creature would eat the eggs of the mosquitoes, thus significantly decreasing its population. The creature was created and released, but with no natural predators, their numbers swelled, like you said, they couldn't got out of control, causing them to flood the air around Florida and having them to invade their neighboring states. Florida is now home for you and me, but growing up, I heard a very slimmer story, but it was Louisiana State University, or LSU, being the culprit. National champions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you've only heard of Florida being the, the offender. Right? Yes, but I didn't know they were created to combat mosquitoes. Uh, so it sounded like they had good intentions. Yeah, it was interesting because if you talk to somebody from like the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, they heard Mississippi State or Old Miss did oh, it. Okay. Uh, and then Alabama did it on the Alabama coast. So it's not as much. So and some other crazier conspiracy stories, uh, conspiracy theory stories I heard were that the architects were Monsanto and Lockheed Martin. Uh, the weaponry? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Places and architects and designers. Exactly. So what is this fearsome beast created like Frankenstein's monster or some college students playing God? Well, the creature in question is known as the Plesia Nertica. Strange uh, Latin name for it. Oh, that's how I know them. Exactly. <laughs> Why didn't you mention it? Why didn't you say that? That's only oh. how I know them. The Placia Nectaria. <laughs> Is that right? No. Nope. Close enough. All right. So there were some other names as known by I've never heard. The double-headed bug, the honeymoon bug, or the love bug. That's the only one I've ever heard. We're going to get to that. Oh. Why those names are all the same thing. If you've ever seen them or look them up on Google... You'll usually see them attached butt to butt and flying around at what seems aimlessly while they smack into your windshield of your car. You're probably thinking to yourself, there are plenty of insects that duel with my windshield and they all lose. Yeah. So what's so special about this damn bug? Well, there are a few things. First is the fact they seem to attach to each other, thus earning the name Love Bug for starters. So why are they attached facing away or butt to butt? Well, when one love bug attaches to another and loves another love bug... Dot, dot, dot. Well, they're hooking up. Kind of like the little noise you made. You're, you're dead uh, on. Wow, they are hooking up. So it takes two or three days for them to complete their mate. Their mating. That's a long time. Um, just back it in. Just back it just, in. Just take your time. Kind of meander around in, in the air. Right. Uh, that's why they seem to be always together because they're always hooking up. So the next time you see two love bugs, probably right before they get hit on your car, just remember they're getting it on. Okay, so unlike Nickelodeon's cat dog, where they were attached, but not by the butt, just by like the waist. Like Siamese twins. Kind of Siamese twins. twins. But they were both facing away from each other. And so is it kind of like that? Just like that, yes. So I'm going to start calling them cat dog love bugs. Or the cat dog bug. Cat dog bugs? Cat dog bug. I dig it. I dig it. So, let's talk strange thing number two about the love bug. They have two seasons. 
So most insects have one season where they hatch, mate, lay eggs, and then they die. And then it's nothing until next year, and it's rinse and repeat. While the love bug cycle is from April to May, and then August to September. We have those those aggravators twice a year. Ugh. Studies have shown that love bugs have been noted in every month of the year, except for November for some reason. Uh, and the larger emergence is the second cycle. So August, September is always the worst. Yeah, so they, they don't come. like coming out in November because they see what we do to turkeys. So they're like, I don't want to be a part of that. I never thought of that, but I like it. <laughs> so odd fact number three is they're always seen hovering over interstates and highways during the day. Like you mentioned in your little like synopsis in the beginning. So this is what really prompted the Lockheed Martin Monsanto urban legend. That there's like they're spying on us. They're kind of these little creatures they created that can keep an eye on our speeds and what we're doing, where we're going. And now, now Monsanto's is the manufacturer of Roundup, Roundup, and weed killers. Yeah, and they also do like the genetically modified uh, plants and stuff that drop resistance, oh, okay. stuff like that. So they're basically a lot of people equate them with the devil. Gotcha. Uh, so what's the real reason why these insects congregate over roadways? Well, it's similar to why moths are attracted to lamps. Do you understand that? Why that? We'll go for what um, said. Why love bugs would be attracted to the asphalt? Why are uh, moths attracted to lamps? Oh, um, they think that it's a reflection of flowers from the sun. So they're going towards the flower. You know, moths are at night mostly, correct? So, so night they flowers. think they're night flowers? <laughs> so, kind of what you're talking about. So basically, moths operate from like, it's a lunar issue, like a lunar moth. They basically can see oh, okay. the, the moon through their eyes. So our lights have them thrown off. So they start traveling and throws off their whole coordination. If like their, their internal GPS gets so screwed up because of that. Okay. So... Studies have shown that love bugs love bright and hot areas, and they're attracted to the exhaust fumes. Most love bug swarms happen between 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. peak times for traffic. Of course. Yeah, Always. That is a large chunk of time. Uh, it can't be overnight when nobody's really driving, but whatever. Uh, the study also showed that the bugs were attracted to the formaldehyde and tetraldehyde from the exhaust, which has a very sweet smell to it, sweet smell taste to it. Um, the swarm could, would cause them to end up in your grill of your car. And it was noted that the, that sometimes if it's bad enough, the love bugs can cause a rare causing the vehicle to overheat, but it's very rare. That's very interesting because I was a lifeguard at Disney, Mm -hmm. um, at Disney world. I was a lifeguard at one of the resorts. And when it was love bug season, the love bugs just kind of hovered over the pool. They never went on the water. They just kind of hovered above the pool and hovered around the deck of the pool. And so people would come up to me or guests would come up to me and say, is there anything you can do about these love bugs? And obviously we don't want to spray all these kind of chemicals. And so I started to notice that they only were about five feet above the water. And so I just told the guests to go in the water if they don't want to be bugged by them. So I wonder if the smell of the chlorine is kind of the same as the smell of the exhaust fumes. That they were attracted to it, but didn't want to go near it or in it because they knew it would be its ultimate like demise. Hmm. Very interesting. Probably so. Can't say yes or no, but that's... Or maybe exhaust fumes are sweeter 
And so they would go close to the asphalt and then get hit by cars. And chlorine is a little bit more bitter and saltier, kind of stronger smell. So they hover above it because it's not that good of a smell. They're around it. They, they would go away, I guess, if it was a thing. So you might be onto something. Interesting. Um, love bugs have also been known to damage the paint on vehicles if not removed promptly. And they're also attracted to freshly painted surfaces. So there's some speculation on... on uh, on why the on why that is but my guess is that the, it's the same thing as the exhaust fumes attraction the chemicals in the paint the sweet smell the chlorine kind of attracts them yeah. exactly um so this kind of all falls on that bro that greedy corporation legend of making the bug damage the cars or your paint so people to repair the car or have them buy more paint for your house or a new car what actually has happened is that most car manufacturers have improved their clear coats to be more resistant to the acidic nature of the bugs, which is the reason why the paint chips. So it no longer does it. So car manufacturers around the world are starting to think about these love bugs in terms of like, hey, we need to start protecting against these bugs as well as other bugs because we don't want our paint to start chipping. Correct. Oh, okay. But love bugs, we'll talk later, are kind of on an island. They're very acidic. Oh, so okay. you kind of burn. That's why they smell funky. Okay. So, uh, as for the attraction of fresh paint, I would not suggest painting anything outside from April to May or August to September. I try to get all my painting done in November because they're never around. I try to get my painting done never. <laughs> um, so, fact number four that people point to as not normal is that you never see a love bug egg. That is true. Yeah, for the most part, we as humans don't see many insect eggs, but you've seen the larva at least. You seen a spider egg? Yeah, unfortunately. How about mosquito larva? Yes. How about maggots? Uh, that's even worse, but yes. <laughs> I've never seen a love bug egg, though. Yeah, exactly. So you see the full cycle of this in these other insects, but you don't see it for the love bug. So that kind of helps make people think, okay, something weird's going on. Um, so what happens? They lay their eggs in the dead areas. Sorry, areas of dead vegetation. And the reason why they do that is there's a lot of moisture there and a lot of nutrients for the, the, the babies or the little tiny love bugs to eat. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, you don't see them until they're grown, kind of said, hey, these are not natural entities. That, that means they were created. So they like dry, wet areas. Yes. In grass. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So they eat the dead grass, which... Also dispels the myth that they were uh, used to eat the created to make eat the mosquito mosquitoes. eggs exactly because mosquitoes like wet, like dark standing water. Standing water. Yes. Sadly, it's not true. I wish it was. Uh, so weird observation number five is that they seem to have appeared out of nowhere. They were first identified in Texas in 1940 by a guy named Dilbert Elmo Hardy, or as he went by D.E. I would totally go by D.E. if my name was Dilbert Elmo. Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure I would not go by Dilbert if my mother named me that. What would you go by, Dil or Bert? I mean, Bert's like the best option. Bert is the best option. Because you can't think D. Elmo. Elmo's even... Dilly. You can go by Dilly. Dilly Dilly, like the Budweiser commercial. Dilly Dilly. Um, it just, Dilbert Elmo sounds like a terrible cartoon name. 
And now the adventures of Dilbert Elmo. Um, so this is important because 1940 is pretty late. I mean, we're we're seeing new species all the time, even today. But in 1940, it's a little late the game to see such thing in big swarms. It wasn't like, you know, they went deep in the Amazon rainforest and found something. No. It was like showed up at their doorstep. Um, like I said, I was in Texas. So the best part is in my research, the thing I love the most is there were reports out of Louisiana as early as 1911. But the problem with Louisiana, as you and I know, is known for its folklore and strange tales and oh, yeah. the Cajun people. And we'll take all the credit for everything uh, outdoors and swampy. Exactly. I mean, trust us, we grew up there. We know they do a lot of weird stuff. So I could totally see these Cajun people kind of tell me, hey, look, we got this 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 flying dark-colored bug that attaches butt to butt with another bug. And it kind of flies around, doesn't They have these weird swarms, and it pop, comes and goes. And you can just see these like other people like from Texas or Georgia where we're kind of going, okay, buddy, the crazy Cajun. probably definitely thought they were Cajun, especially with maybe how they said it. So, for the listeners. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. You have Cajun heritage. I do. Uh, you don't have the accent, but you can turn one on. I want you to be a 1911s Cajun shrimper or crawfisher or whatever who's seen it and you're trying to describe it to some city folk from somewhere else. All right, I'll give it my shot. All right, so we got love bugs, and I'm going to describe to you a city folk on what a love bug is and what I'm seeing. Correct. Okay, man, listen to me, ball. I got this black bug, but they, they small. They like mosquitoes, but they, they got a red nose. And you see this? They they eat mosquitoes. They they like pterodactyl size, ball. They like to they like to just swarm around. They hit my tractor. They they just got all kind of greenies all over them. And uh they aggravating, but listen man, they 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 a butt to butt. They they fly around butt to butt. What are they doing over there, man? What they why they gotta be butt to butt like that? Do you hear that? That look at that. Look at these things. I'm gonna I'm gonna catch one. I'm gonna catch one in my big old crawfish net and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna show it to you. Oh man la. Look at this uh, little bug right here touching butt to butt. I wonder if you can eat him. That's something I'm gonna catch. I'm gonna say for sure. The very <laughs> can you eat them? Oh, that was very well I, I done. I had to channel my inner, uh, my inner uh, Cajun heritage there. I know. Thankfully, we won't get in trouble for being like insensitive since you do have Cajun heritage. I do. That's exactly what my dad sounds like. Actually, we'll have to get him on the show sometime. Maybe. Oh boy. Um. So since we live in Florida, the first love bugs were seen in Florida in 1949. That's a decade after they were seen in Texas and identified. It's about that's an interesting migration pattern. Texas just wants to claim everything as theirs. Definitely. No bigger fan of Texas than Texas. <laughs> so where they come from? Doesn't it come from a lab? Uh, nope. So they came from Central America. They were brought over much like a lot of the invasive insects we have now by boat to oh. Texas. They kind of introduced them to the U.S. and they kind of started making their way over. So speaking of migration patterns, this leads me to my next point of interest. Predators. As people have seen, when animals get introduced to an area with no natural predators, what happens? Um, if no one is 
predatoring over them, then they don't really die. They just keep reproducing. So they go, they explode, they go crazy. Oh yeah, no, they're yeah, their species goes crazy. Um, I always love an uh, it's an episode of The Simpsons where they go to Australia, kind of like the dingo and the camel there. They kind of go a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, Bart at the very end has a frog and it gets out of his backpack. Oh boy. And they go crazy like. They go crazy, uh, blowing up the entire like countryside. They basically like, like one at the very end kicks out a baby Joey out of a kangaroo <laughs> and gets in, like the pouch of the kangaroo is hilarious. So that's what it's like. There's no natural predators. They go crazy. So the problem is there's no natural predators for these things. They go unchecked. They go crazy. So what is the big predator for most bugs in the world uh, at least in the southeast spiders spiders are the big one what's another one um rougarous <laughs> jeez anteaters birds no birds that was my next guess are you sure i don't think it was <laughs> i don't think it was so um like you said they smell funky and like we mentioned before they're acidic which makes them not appetizing to birds and spiders therefore they don't want to eat them so this kind of like freaked out people. They see like these birds flying around and they don't want to touch these things. Like I'm going, this is a natural. Um, but as the very intelligent Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park said, uh, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> and they're talking about the sex of the dinosaurs. Um, basically, every creature on this planet has some type of a rate limiting factor or else there will just be that creature. True. So, what is it for the love bug? What's the checks and balance for the love bug? There's two. Uh, humans and um, frogs. Kind of humans. We'll talk about that in a okay. second. In a way, but not, not really. Uh, number one is dry weather. Like I said, they love the moisture. Okay. So, if they can't get water, they die off. Oh, hence why they're always in the south. Correct. We're very humid here. Uh, and number two is a variety of parasitic fungi that kill the larva. So, basically, uh, fungus loves dark, hot, and humid, and love bugs will lay their eggs in dark, hot, and humid in areas. So the problem is, is the fungus is there, and it kind of eats the larva, kills the larva off. And like you said, humans. That's probably number three. And more specifically, number three would be the windshield grill and hood of your 2007 Honda Accord careening down I-95 at 75 miles an hour. <laughs> if you're in Florida, 80 to 85. Oh, yeah. There's no speed limit on I-4. Um, the University of Florida has two entomologists who specialize in love bugs, and one guy named Philip Kohler once said in an interview that if, and big if, and this has made all the sense in the world when I read it, and you'll agree with him and myself, the University of Florida had indeed created the love bug, it would be orange and blue, not black and red. <laughs> I mean... What a statement. It's so true. If you know Florida fans, they love orange and blue. And they love Tim Tebow. Well, that too. But I guess if it was LSU, it'd be purple and gold. But, yeah. It is what it is. So, in summations, love bugs, are they weird? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, they're created by a college or an evil corporation? No. Yes. So... Is this myth 100% true, 100% false, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, 
The myth that love bugs came from an evil corporation or a university is 100% false. They came from the, uh, not the rainforest, but South America. Central America. Central America. Why don't you tell me the top five things you learned today? Um, they are acidic, and so that's why birds don't like to eat them. Mm-hmm. They love the smell of the exhaust and paint fumes. Um, they have no natural predators except for a fungus, which that is disgusting. I hate fungus, and you know that. Um, <laughs> and um, they are around two times a year. Mm-hmm. They are bi-yearly, semi-annual bug, love bug festivals. That's true. Which is not a festival I want to go to. No. And I want to add one more thing is that they are such a nuisance that car manufacturers had to make a clear coat oh, because right. of them. Oh yes, because of these these things. I'm sure, it adds to the the cars um, like shine and sheen as well too. Oh yeah. So I hope this laid to rest the legend and the myth of the love bug and weird origin stories. So we'll be tackling more strange things that I've believed, other people believed. Getting to the bottom of it. If you have anything you have heard that's a little bit weird and you want to investigate, let us know. Uh, anything you want to say, Ross? How did you like your Abita Purple Haze? I love Purple Haze. It's one of my favorite beers. That's good. I enjoyed my dra- uh, my um, Moo. Deja Moo. Deja Moo. It was very delicious. Um, it was kind of spicy, but very chocolatey. So mm-hmm. I like that. It was yeah. very good. Um, also guys, make sure you follow us on legends and libations on Twitter, Instagram, all the medias of sociality. Um, and, uh, we'll be, uh, around again. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll, uh, talk to y'all soon.